The views and opinions on this show do not necessarily reflect the views of ESPN Tucson 1490 and 104.9 FM or the Arizona Lotus Corporation. Got car trouble? Now's the time to talk with Jerry on the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show. Call in now at 719-1490. Well, if you're one of the millions who own one of them gas-drinking, piston clanking, air-polluting, smoke-belching, four-wheel buggies from Detroit City, then pay attention. I'm about to sing your song, son. Good morning, Southern Arizona, and the rest of you out there in cyberspace. Welcome to the Simmons Car Care Shop Talk Show right here on ESPN, Tucson.com, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, 1490 AM, 104.9 FM. It's Simacast on two stations at the same time, plus it's streamed around the world. I'm Jerry Simmons, your host. Along with me, I hope Jimbo has made it in. Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing. Jim, are you there? Jerry, running a little running a little late today. Uh, got got caught up with a with a phone call. Um, remember, I'm on the radio. So that means it's super safe Saturday. That means slow down, move over, watch for watch for bicycles, pedestrians. Put your phones down. Don't be looking at your phone while you're driving. Don't be drinking while you're driving. Uh, don't be don't be messing with the kids. Pull over if you need to get out of the way. If you're working on your car, put it, use jack stands. Disconnect your batteries. Use hood props and safety glasses. Make sure that you come home, go get done with that uh, that four. What is it now? Probably a sixty dollar oil change by the time you buy the oil and the filter and and get rid of the oil today. Um, anyway, mm-hmm. super safe Saturday. Let's make sure we do that good. And good morning to you, Jerry. And a good morning to you. I'm glad you can make it in, buddy. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, you know, you, you touched on something right there with the bicycles. Uh, this is bicycle time of the year. I've been running across a whole bunch of them on Spanish Trail. And, of course, we've got the when, – when is that big bicycle race that shows up? That's in November, isn't it? The tour? October, tour November. I, I, yeah. I think you're right. Well, that's that's going to put more and more bikes out because they're – I mean, they're out there already. And they're running. So that bicycle safety and, you know, give them five foot. Well, uh, some of these roads around here – you're kind of hard pressed to give them five foot unless you slow it down and stay behind the crowd that some of them will be running out in the road. And, you know, it's just bicyclists have to do their part too. But uh, when you're driving, if you see a crowd of bikes up in front of you, don't assume that everybody is going to stay in their little lane. I mean, cars don't. Why should bikes? So if you're driving 
and you see another car approaching from the other direction, go ahead and stay in your lane and just wait until the other car comes by, and then you can move over and get on around them. But let's don't take anybody out of the tour, the, the Tucson tour race. Um, and that's, that's really critical. And yeah, yeah, it's, it's that time of the year. We've got winter visitors coming in. We're going to have different driving habits. Uh, we've got a lot of traffic in Tucson right now. Uh, so it's, it's a, as Jim says, it's a super safe Saturday and it's a super safe seven days after the Saturday. Just go ahead and play it through to the next week. But if you'll do that, then everybody can make it home safe and everybody can have a nice holiday season through Thanksgiving and Christmas. And it just, it works a lot better with a lot, just a little bit of patience and just a little bit of consideration and everything works. Turn your lights on. Please turn your lights on early in the morning and early in the evening. Turn those lights on and make sure that it's not just your running lights. There's people driving around town with a late model car has got their automatics even turned off. And they're hard to see. You know, going to a meeting on Tuesday night, and it was only about seven miles to the meeting, seeing three different vehicles with no lights on, couldn't even see them, Could, just because the cars behind them had their lights on. The car in front of it was a little gray, that was one, was a little gray car, and we couldn't see it until it was right on top of it. I mean, it was just, that car did not exist because the lights from the car that was following it, it changes the way you see things. Your eyes dilate different. So please turn your lights on and check your lights and make sure all of your lights are working properly for the winter time for, because it is going to get a little cooler. It's darker quick. And you should have noticed this by now, but don't forget to turn your lights on, please, and use your turn signals. So that's that's my little little recommendation for early. That's my tech tip for this morning. You know, just drive safe and use all and of the stuff that the car has. And that's ahead, really great, Jerry, because because you know, um, I've noticed that recently people don't have their lights on. And it's not because they didn't turn them on. It's because they don't come on. So some, you know, we have a, most a lot of cars today have the little automatic light module that, you know, when it gets dusk, it, it detects that it should turn the lights on. But it's not working. So you think they're on, and your dash lights come on, but your headlights don't come on. I, I've noticed that on quite a few vehicles in which we've towed some because people are like, I, my, my headlights don't come on, but the lights are on. So like Jerry said... Yeah. You know, pull up against a wall before before you get to that, you know, critical zone of of the point of no return. So you take off driving and it's dusk, and you can kind of see, but in about 15 minutes it's going to be pitch black. If if you are at a point where you can't drive anymore, you're going to have to pull over. So if you check them before you leave, at least you won't be stuck, because you know, you're not going anywhere with your lights off. You can wait till the morning. You can call me. You know, or, yeah. or you can phone a friend and, <laughs> and uh, you know, get, get a Uber and get your way home. But going with your lights on, well, one, it's highly dangerous, and two, it'll, it'll yield you the, a nice, healthy ticket from one of the officers. So don't let's just avoid that altogether, too. But, Absolutely. Yeah, I have noticed that. Absolutely. You know, uh, this week I had the uh, 
have the privilege of calling uh, Frontier Towing and have my little Honda picked up at my house because I was backing out and a power steering hose blew up. All $120 of the power steering hose. It dumps my fluid. I've got no power steering. I've got no steering. It don't want to turn. And so I called Jim. You know, it's either the rack and pinion went out or a hose blew. But I heard the hose blew. But I also heard a clunk just before the hose blew, so I wasn't sure. So I had Frontier Toad pick it up, take it over to Simmons floor before, drop it off uh, with no appointment, which is hard to do when you're going to Parker Automotive or uh, uh, Automotive Specialist or Simmons Automotive. Um, you know, and I I beg them to keep about fifteen percent of your time for emergencies if possible. Well, they take it in. Now, this is how it should go when you take a vehicle or send your vehicle into a shop. They treat me no different than they do all the other customers, all the other clients, and I send it in for a power steering hose. It turned out to be a power steering hose busted. They pulled the records on it. They said, oh, you've got a few other little things on here. Well, cabin air filter, so they replaced the cabin air filter. My brake pads were down to two centimeters or something like that on the front. So they replaced the brake pads on the front. Uh, they filled the, uh, replaced the hose, used the Honda OEM power steering fluid, which is real critical on a Honda. And then when he fired it up, when the hose blew, it sprayed uh, fluid on the serpentine belt. So when they started it up, as soon as you brought the RPMs up, it started squeaking. Well, you can't use a cleaner on a serpentine belt. So they had to put a serpentine belt on it, which was another 40 bucks for the serpentine belt. Um, then the automatic transmission fluid, they checked it, and they didn't like what they seen. And so uh, they fixed it, cleaned it out. Uh, then with a new oil filter, they changed the oil on the engine because it was within about 300 miles of time to do it. Now, on the vehicle inspection write-up, it said um, visual inspection of vehicles includes all fluids, hoses, belts, steering components, suspension components, exhaust systems, brake system gauges, uh, brake system gauged, uh, drivetrain components, tires, wheels, and then uh, uh, see the Simmons 404 Auto Center Inspection Report. Okay, so you got all of this. And I had a bat dead battery when they picked it up. It started when I needed to back it straight out, but it wouldn't start when we got ready to put it on the truck. So they tested the electrical system on it. Uh, and it was just, and then it just goes on and on and on and on. And at the end of it, it says, okay, everything is surfaced. Uh, you're on a 5,000 mile maintenance program. And that's the way, oh, and then when they were pulled the front tires and stuff off of it to do the brakes and check it all, it says wheel lugs, wheel lug nuts torqued 80 foot pounds of torque. Okay, and then it says down here in parentheses, it says engine and transmission mounts are worn, and they put it on 10, 21, 22, so I would remember it, and 
the brake pads and stuff, and everything has been fixed. So when I picked that thing up on Friday, everything on the car was done. The maintenance was current. Everything on it was inspected. So I feel very comfortable in driving that car. By the way, it has 193,598 miles on it when all this went down. I have virtually spent nothing on this car other than everything on here, except for the power steering hose, is maintenance-type stuff. So I feel very comfortable, and I'm very proud of Simmons 4 before, since I have a little bit of stake in that place, of how they actually processed me, because I tell them, don't you process me any different than the way you process our regular clients. And that's exactly what I got, and I'm very pleased with them. So kudos to Simmons for before, even because I wasn't there, they did it. So I, I wasn't in there to make sure that they did it. So when your car goes into automotive specialist, um, Parker Automotive, this is the type of service that you're going to get. It's, it's in the policy. That's the way we do business. That's the way Simmons been doing business for 47 years. And it's not going to change. They just stay with it. And then you can feel comfortable when you get it. If you have a new part in it that fails, well, that's the reason we have warranties on them. But we can't, we can't predict, nor do we build the replacement parts that we have to use. So sometimes things just happen. But if you have a maintenance program that's like the one that I just read about, you can pretty much drive that thing. I can go from here to Phoenix if I wanted to today or, you know, last week even. Of course, I'd probably blew a line in Phoenix. Then I'd have been in trouble. But um, just the regular maintenance on these vehicles, and you can protect just about everything with one exception on that work order that you can't absolutely cannot predict, a power steering hose blowing. And as you see, it's not that inexpensive either because then you got to change it, and that gets to be a little expensive because you got to get accessibility to the component in order to change it out. And everything is put in the engine compartment with a shoehorn because <laughs> the shoe won't fit. You can't get it to fit, so you use a shoehorn to put your foot in it, and that's basically what they had to do with this one. However, I'm very pleased with it, and they did a heck of a job. Uh, diesel fuel prices. Jim, how you like that diesel fuel prices? Last time I checked, it was five thirty nine nine, and the gas price oh, is three sixty nine nine. Just excites me to death. I just love paying exorbitant fuel prices. Well, of course. That's a sarcastic comment, Jerry. <laughs> I caught that, and I figured it was. Uh, but we just, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on in the industry. There's a lot of stuff going on with the, uh, let's see, how do I put this? There's a lot of stuff going on with November, we go to vote. All I can say is people, please vote. What, who you vote for is entirely up to you. But vote, just vote. And that's all the political I'm going to do this morning on the radio, unless Jim starts me on something. Um, <laughs> and then I still won't do it. Uh, but the fuel prices and for diesels, uh, people, 
If you can use a cruise control out on the freeway, use it. Mine got 27.1 here a few months back on the freeway at 75 miles an hour on cruise control. It got 27.1 on that 8,000-pound vehicle. It can be done. So if you got cruise control, you're out on the freeway and it's not raining or anything like that, it's no inclement weather, you're not running into snow or ice or anything, then go ahead, set your cruise control, and pay attention. Make it a full-time job driving. And that will uh, that'll save you a lot. And if the gas burner, same thing. Use the cruise control if you've got it. Uh, pay attention. If you want to cruise up the freeway at 70 miles an hour and everybody else is running anywhere from 75 to 85 or 84, they think 10 mile an hour will save you butt. Well, just remember, as my dad used to say, you can get about any car to run 100 miles an hour, but you got to stop it and you got to maintain control. And unless you've run stock cars or had the experience of running 120 miles an hour and then all of a sudden all heck breaks loose in front of you, uh, you won't even, you can't even understand what I'm saying. But uh, trust me, it's not a predicament you want to. Keep your distance on the freeway. It used to be 10 mile, 10 mile an hour, one car length. 10 mile an hour, one car length. 10 mile an hour, one car length. By the way, that goes to 30 mile an hour and there's three car lengths. That's basically what you do in inside driving in Tucson. Uh, You can go with the seconds if you want to call it 1,001, 1,002, 1,003 is the basic distance you want in front of you uh, for the car that you're about to hit in the rear end if you're driving too close. Out on the freeway, 75 miles an hour, that's about seven to 10 car lengths. I try to keep it about 10 car lengths and everybody gets excited as riding with me. Said, if you just drive like this, then these cars behind you are going to come in and pull right in front of you. Yep. I'll give them seven car lengths too, at least because if you're driving like that, I don't want to be nowhere around them. And I just seem to assume that uh, they may not make it where they're going. And I don't want to be caught up in the carnage. So, Allow room. You've got a lot of traffic depending on your drive times and up the freeways. You've got Sunday, which is mostly 18 wheelers on the freeway. 18 wheelers only weigh about 80 to 100,000 pounds somewhere around there. Their stopping distance is what, Jim? Uh, Infinity. (laughs) It it takes forever to stop a truck. Okay, so it's got 18 wheels. It's got five axles. So that's 10 sets of brakes, which are about 8 inches wide and about 18 inches in diameter, okay, because most of them are drum brakes. Trucks do have disc brakes, but it's not excessively common because they're super, super expensive. But at any rate, Mm -hmm. you're stopping 80,000 pounds, and you're going down the road, and even though trucks have anti-lock brakes, you can just lay on the brakes, and it does not stop. It's like a train. It takes forever to stop a truck. So the the notion of pulling in front of a truck and then hammering your brakes because you want to get off of the next ramp and thinking that that guy is, is has control and can stop, I guess, again, ain't going to happen. And that's a really, really risky procedure for um, for anybody 
thinking that you could just it, it, it lends itself to the to the notion that you're the only guy on the road and never nobody else matters. Well, you know, physics is a really is hard to get around. Anybody will tell you, <laughs> gravity gravity's tough, well, and you know, you, when crashes occur, you're sitting there scratching your head, thinking, "Well, I don't know what happened." Well, what happened was you made a bad decision. So that's right. That's right. And when you're when you're driving up the freeway and you're you're cruising and you you're running at seventy miles an hour and you got a truck that's running at sixty five or seventy miles an hour and he's probably running cruise control too. And so all of a sudden you decide, well, I'm gonna pass him. So you get right up beside him and you that's it. That's as fast as your car will go. Get out of the way, even if you have to back back by, way back behind him and get over in the lane that he's driving in. Either that or get on the accelerator and get away from that truck. What happens if a tire explodes on that 18-wheeler or he fries a U-joint and the front jack shaft comes out? You're in a world of doo-doo. Don't procrastinate around these trucks. Go on around them. You can move even five mile an hour difference. You will get around him, but you won't be riding beside him all the time. Now, can I predict or you predict or anybody can predict when a, a tire is going to separate on an 18 wheeler and shoot one of those, we call them alligators out across the road in front of you? No, you can't. So when you get ready to pass a truck, pay attention. Don't sit there and row right beside him because now he's got to worry where you went or where you're going. And so he's already covering down because truck drivers, for about 99 to 99% are professional drivers. They've been there, done that, and they know what's going to happen. So go on around them and give them plenty of room and give a signal and let them know when you're getting back in front of them. And don't just go around and pull right back where you – if. Your car had another coat of paint on it. It hit his front bumper. No, 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 no. Don't even think about it. Going around, if you're going to pull back in front of him, then you're at road speed and you're running a little faster than he's running, then give him about five or six car lengths before you just whip back in in front of him. Come on. Just keep everybody safe out there. That's, so uh, that's you got really, any, really good. <laughs> that's great advice, Jerry, because you're exactly right. People will ride in the blind spot of a truck and just hang out there. I, oh, yeah, I'm not I sure know. why, <laughs> but they'll, you know, so like, the guy I, I can tell you why, you know? but uh, wouldn't be polite. <laughs> well, okay. Um, so, so yeah, get, go either stay behind or go on a front. If you know, the guy driving the truck and tell me, I can tell you, I drive trucks, so I know the deal. Um, would you, when you just, if you go beyond them, you're you're out of the zone. You're out you're out of the 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 area that they're trying to drive in, which is way better. You know, I mean, we have I have cars go by me at Mach seven, just flying by me. You know, okay, okay, you went by me, yay! You get, you got around the truck. You know, you're you're you were successful for the day. That was your best thing. Um, so yeah, get beyond them. If you're gonna merge onto the freeway, this is the one I love the best. Oh. So you're going to merge onto the freeway, oh, and um, and here on I-10, it can be, it can be a little rough. The new part, the, the widened part of I-10, like Ina, you know, downtown Broadway, Grant, those aren't too bad. But if you're over on the on the east side, so Craycroft, Palo Verde, uh, Irvington, um, Keno, Keno is the best one. Um, 
the the ramp to 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 merge into the traffic isn't really all that great. So you know, so when when people are coming onto the ramp, now by the way, the ramp has to yield to the traffic. I don't know if you guys know this, but the ramp has to yield. Just so just because you're flying up there doesn't mean that guy's got to get over. Most people do try and accommodate and get over, and these guys driving trucks try and accommodate to get over. But when it's heavy traffic, there's no way to accommodate that. So as you're right. approaching the the ramp. If if a vehicle, and not even necessarily a truck, if a vehicle starts to slow down to let you in, go. Otherwise, then, then you start to slow down, then they start to slow down, and you start to slow down, and pretty soon you guys are doing five miles an hour. And that's what causes a crash. Because everybody slow, because the traffic flow is so slowed to such a great uh, slow rate that um, all the traffic behind us backs up, and the traffic that's doing 65 behind us isn't expecting that traffic to come to a stop. And that's when a crash occurs. So when you're merging, just merge on and go, or use a different route. If you if you can't merge at that, if if merging at a particular ramp is really challenging for you, use a different one. Go a different way. And I know that that might seem like it's the the worst thing on the planet, but I can tell you it's way better to spend ten minutes and not get in a wreck than it is to try and negotiate a. a a bad traffic interchange that is going to cause you an accident. And last night, what, if, what about the about, mer- go, go ahead. Well, last night about about um, I think I want to say it was between like five and seven. There were four wrecks on I ten, four crashes between Craycroft Road and and I want to say uh, Miracle Mile. There were four crashes. Cars run into each both rear end collisions. Um, there was um, there was a set in the median that that I don't know if they just slowed down and, and lost control and rolled into the median. There was a set with two cars uh, up by Miracle Mile were, were crashed in the in the median up against the guard up against the wall, you know the median wall. There was uh, one on Twenty Second Street, cars off to the side, and so. Yeah, all because, and those are all pretty much in merge points. Uh, the 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 Miracle Mile one is a, is hard to merge into. The twenty second, the I nineteen twenty second interchange to I ten, especially at five four five six o'clock at night, is very busy. Really hard to merge into. The lanes up um, in quickly, um, so you got to really be paying attention to that. Um, and if you get stuck in the lane and go get off on Congress. You got stuck in the line and you get off on Congress. I know it's not what you wanted, but it's better than wrecking. So just, just if if you can't make the, a safe, you know, lane negotiation, just 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 try and do something else. You know, try try and just exit. It's okay. You'll have to wait at the stoplight for you know two minutes, and then you'll get back on the I, interstate. It, it'll be it'll be okay. I haven't I haven't heard you say anything about merging speed. On a freeway. Merging speed. Uh, So Go ahead. Oh, so if you're going to (laughs) merge, when you're merging, so this is what always gets us when you're driving the truck. So when we see traffic merging on, we know that we're not going to outrun you, okay? I'm not going to outrun you. And and that's okay. I'm I'm good with that. So I usually, you know, I I reduce speed, so I start slowing down. Not, I don't... Hammer my brakes. I just start slowing down to allow you to go on. That means you merge on and accelerate onto the onto the road. Don't hit your brakes while I'm slowing down. 
And and if you're going right. to make the, the conscientious decision to merge, and you get all the way up to the left, to the right front wheel of the truck, and decide that you don't want to merge, and now you're going to hammer your brakes, oh. and there's traffic behind you that you're going to impact. So, either make the decision to that's go on, danger. or don't. That that's the danger right there. You you have to if you're going to merge, you have to just go, um, and you can't rely on the guy to be able to get over, because. A lot of places, there's no room for a truck to get over, or even a car for that matter. And I've been to plenty of wrecks right. where a a person was merge was lane changing to allow somebody to merge, and they hit a, the vehicle in the other lane, causing a crash. So it's it's I know it's frustrating sometimes, but if you're going to merge on, you don't don't come up to the lane and merge on at 10 miles an hour. It it doesn't work. You're not you can't merge and at don't 10 miles an hour. Go ahead. And don't follow the car that's going, that's in front of you, it's getting ready to merge. Because I have followed them, and I give them about 10 car lengths at least between me and them. And at that point, you're only running about 40 miles an hour. However, you're looking to your left, and then you're looking back to the, in front of you. If this guy looks like he's going to go, you don't see brake lights, voila, check your brake lights, check all your lights. If you don't see the brake lights, you're assuming he's going on. Well, he may be slowing down, and he's running a lot slower than you. You keep that 10 car lengths because you're going to need it. Because I have slid right up to the back end of a car that changed his mind getting on the freeway. And, man, I'm telling you, you, you don't text, don't do nothing but be a 150% NASCAR driver when you're trying to get on the freeway especially with people in front of you because you can't predict what they're going to do. And this is very dangerous. I do not go in behind a car going on the freeway at two car lengths or three car lengths. I am 10 car lengths, and I don't care who it makes mad behind me because they're smart. They'll be doing the same thing with me. And then when you get on the freeway, get to the 65-mile-an-hour through Tucson. You've got some ramps that allow you to get up to 65 miles an hour. When you get committed to go, go. And don't assume that that guy is going to let you in or nothing. You find a spot that you can get into, and then when you merge, merge at 65 miles an hour. There ain't a car out here on the road now that won't run 65 miles an hour on some of these ramps that you get up on the freeway. The ones that you don't have that room to get up to 65 miles an hour because it ramps not long enough to get in there. Then you you look you look all around you and you find a spot that you can safely merge. But keep your eyes on the mirrors. Keep your eyes on the guy in front of you. Keep the eyes on the guy behind you. And then maybe you can get on the freeway without creating a pileup. But the ones that I've seen it cause the wrecks are the ones that go and stop. Go and stop. I said, why are you doing that? Oh, what an idiot. Okay, and that's, you know, and then you can just say that under your breath. I mean, nobody really cares what you personally think. However, if uh, when he's going to put you in danger, your responsibility behind him is to give them enough room to change their mind. Assume they're going to change their mind. Ten car lengths. You go ten car lengths, you can pretty much control it. You go anything closer than that, and you're going to be right on that guy's bumper, or you're going to be merged with his bumper. And then when you do that, it shoves him forward. You go forward. Whoever's behind you, if they're not falling 10 cars, is going to hit you in the butt. 
and then you've got to force some stuff out in the middle of the freeway where nobody has a choice. You're parked, they're running 65 mile an hour. Bad scenario. Bad scenario. So just pay attention, especially because that's the, the one place that when I'm traveling, I'm a 150% driver when I get ready to merge on the freeway. 150, buddy. I've got every angle covered that you can think of. And still, because if, if the car's running and you, it's hard to predict when you're looking sideways out your mirror and you see a car coming, is he running 65 or is he running 75 or is he running 85? You don't have a radar and you're looking at an angle. And if he looks like he's coming too quick, uh, hey, he's coming too quick. And if he's coming in at 75 miles an hour in a 65 zone and you're committed, I hope you got a turbo because you're going to need to get to that 80 mile an hour speed zone. And yeah, you may get a ticket, but you'll probably be safe. But, you know, so, uh, but if all else fails, hey, pick a different drive time to get out on the freeway if you can. You know, there's all sorts of options. Pick, I went through. Or pick a different route. Yep, I went through uh, Picacho, that rest area in Picacho, and I was driving a F450. And we're going down the road, and I watched this 18-wheeler come out of that rest area, and he's running. I checked the lane. I got over in the left lane, and then I thought, well, he's not running fast enough. I can get back in the right-hand lane. And then I got back in the right-hand lane and got caught in traffic and couldn't get back to the left-hand lane. And this guy pulled out in front of me at 40 miles an hour on the freeway. That's an 18-wheeler. That is not a dragster. And, yeah, I had I, I, was stay, I stay on my mirrors all the time. And I was able to get over in the left lane, but I pulled out to dodge him because I was running about 65 miles an hour. And he didn't get up to speed as fast as I thought he was going to get up to speed. And so I switched lanes. There was a car coming. As I switched, that car must have been running 80 miles an hour. And I was in the turbo on mine. And I was running about 65 at the time. And I thought, this is not going to work. I went off in the median on the left-hand side, put the binders on. And this guy's come screaming by me. And his tire's locked up. And I'm going, holy crap. And But I was off the road, so he had the lane. And then he got off his brakes and finally went on around the truck, who still wasn't up to speed. So, yes, I have been there. I've seen what these things do. And I know if you can get on the freeway at speeds, you're safe. You're, you're a heck of a lot safer than you are if you go into a 65-mile-an-hour speed zone with everybody running 65, 75, uh, you better be on your game, and you, you treat that thing just like a race car. I mean, my Lord. And don't assume the guy in front of you is going to actually go up and get into traffic. Assume that he could change his mind. Do you have that 10 car links? If you'll do that, you'll pretty much stay out of the rear-end collisions on our entrance ramp, especially if you pay attention. But not, you'll be calling Frontier Towing to come and get you. You know, and hopefully nobody's killed and nobody's hurt. And it's a holiday season. We know how crazy drivers get out there in town, on the freeways, any place during a holiday season, which has just started. And we've got people coming in town that are not used to our roads. We've got people that, uh, 
doing Christmas shopping early because everything's already out. And we got people that are not paying attention. They don't quite know where they're going. Have a plan, and then you can drive safe. So you got anything you want to add to that, Jim? If not, yeah, you no. go. When you crash, yeah, just you call Frontier Towing, have your rig picked up, send it over to Spectrum Ina, Auto, Ina Road Auto Collision at 4425 West Ina, and they will take care of the incident, and all they need is a claim number. They'll handle the rest of it. They'll do all the photos. They'll deal with your insurance company. That's Spectrum Minor Road Auto Collision, 744-4454, prefix 520-744-4454, and you can get that handled. And hopefully you don't have to use them during the holiday season for the rest of uh, for quite a while, especially for a crash. Crashes are not fun. And if, and if yeah. you have to do all that procedure, be aware that it probably will be two months before you get your car back by the time they get the car in, get it torn down, find the parts, find the parts to get to fix your car, and get it fixed. Mm-hmm. So remember that those decisions you make about, you know, being five seconds, it's, it, I'm going to be five seconds late or five minutes late, you know, if you're if you're out of a car for for two months, well, that's going to put a crimp in or your style. To. So, so, so Ab- school, Absolutely. Okay, well, and we'll go rent one. Let's just go rent one for two months. At I don't know what's a rental car today, Jerry. Fifty bucks a day, seventy bucks uh, a day. About sixty-five to eighty. Sixty-five to eighty and a it, day. Yep. That's twenty-four hundred dollars a month. Five thousand dollars in two, give or take. Um, so f- five grand. Ed, if your insurance doesn't want to cover it, because well, the current model is, um, well, that wasn't, we're not covering that because it's natural disaster. You know, if your car got hit by a tree, it's a natural disaster. Um, or, you know, we don't cover, we'll only cover $800 of in, of rental because that's what it used to be. And today it's not. Today it's 5000 So well, we're not paying right. $5,000 in coverage. So do you want to foot the $5,000 bill? You know, all these all of these repercussions occur based on some some split second really bad decisions, Just, and that's all I'm trying to say is remember that that small and the, and we're not talking about a total. We're talking about a fender bender. We're talking about a, a car that might even still be drivable. No airbags, no airbags deployed. Um, bumper headlight, uh, front cover, fender damage, and it's still you're still two months out waiting for a bumper cover, waiting for a headlight assembly, waiting for a fender. Um, and so as you, you know, try to figure out how to bum rides from your friends, um, you know, that's, that's, that's right. two months is a long time to, to, to try to, um, figure that out. Go ahead. I was at a breakfast meeting Friday morning for a business club and I've got one of the members who was sitting there and she said, Jerry said, how long does it take a car to get in and get a, uh, a fender bender fixed. Uh, and I said, I don't know. It can take up to a couple of months. And she said, well, I'm working on the, the eighth week right now. And she's got hers in a dealership in a dealership. And she said, the problem they've got, they said, my car is so old, they can't get the parts for it. And 
I'm going, I don't know what to tell you. That's pretty much normal, about two months or longer, depending on the parts availability, because they haven't quite got all of that figured out yet. I mean, there's still a supply chain. or still everybody's trying to get back from COVID, and there's a lot of problems there. So, yeah, that's, that's not an uncommon thing. But that was just Friday morning when I was talking to her. So, yeah, it's very real, very real. But anyway, the gist of the what Jim and I have been talking about about the last 45 minutes is we're trying to keep you as safe as possible. It's called a checkup from the neck up. Uh, who has a right-of-way on the freeway? you got an 80,000-pound vehicle, and you've got, you're driving a 3,500-pound vehicle. It doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out who's got the right-of-way. You know, oh, yeah, well, I'm right. Okay, I'll put that on your epitaph because you pull out in front of an 80,000-pound vehicle at 65 miles an hour and you're running 40 miles an hour. Uh, I hope you got airbags. I hope you got all the the cars uh, set up for it collapses around the cabin instead of through the cabin. Uh, it's not going to be pretty however it comes out. Don't do it. Don't, don't don't put yourself in that situation. If you don't like the traffic, wait till it backs down. You know, go get a cup of coffee someplace and wait until the traffic time, until the better drive time comes in. But uh, just be safe, especially especially all time. Let's put it that way. If you drive, drive safe, be a full-time driver. That phone can get you in a lot of trouble. The text messaging coming in can get you in a lot of trouble. The average response on a text message is 13 minutes, which means that you've got time to pull off, get in a a safe place to pull off, and answer the darn text (coughs) if it's worrying you that much. But keep in mind, you're driving and you're getting a phone call. What are you going to do anyway? I mean, how critical can that phone call be? If someone has passed away, that's history. You can't change history, and you can get to it as soon as you can, but don't add another person to the passed away list just because, oh, i got to answer this. i got to answer this. Don't let your brains fall out, people, because there's a lot of wrecks. It's a distraction, and one thing about death, you can't come back from death, and you sure don't want to be paralyzed and in a wheelchair the rest of your life. So just, just drive safe. Just drive safe. And now we go back to we go back to that little uh, Honda. Jerry, when you when you reg, go ahead, Jim. Oh, it's oh, it's, it's Rob here in the studio. Hey, we got a caller. Uh, Al wants to talk about electric cars. You want to take that call? Yeah, we'll go to electric cars. Okay, I'll put them on for you. Al, good morning. Gerald, Jimmy, it's always Hello, great Al. to talk to you. How are you doing? Welcome to the show, buddy. Good morning, Al. Hey, uh, I want to talk Jerry, about uh, electric cars. Uh-huh. Well, only only because in Florida they're having problems uh, with these flooded electric cars, Jerry. And I called Jimmy earlier this morning before your show and asked him if he had ever had one of these tr- on one of his trucks and it caught fire spontaneously. He said he hasn't had one yet, meaning yet, mm-hmm. because. Um, I'm sure he probably would think it's a matter of time, you know. There is, uh, I read an article on battery technology for EVs, a a nice article. And they are going to a a, um, dielectric lube. They're testing a dielectric coolant 
that goes in these batteries now because dielectric doesn't transport electrical current. The problem they have with the current batteries, the ones that are using glucose or uh, uh, antifreeze in them, uh, they're using water in them, they conduct electricity. So when you have an overheat problem and it starts to short out, the water conducts electricity, the antifreeze conducts electricity, and then the dielectric uh, water in them that they're testing right now with very good uh, results. It doesn't, so that, that's what they're doing now to keep them down. But if you have water in an electric car, I would say uh, you just go ahead and total this one, and I'll go get me a new one if, if that's what the insurance company will pay you to do. But uh, keep in mind that the insurance companies, you have a if you've got a $7,500 tax credit on that car, and you, it, and Mother Nature takes care of it. You know, I don't know because if they give you the actual cash value, it's minus $7,500. And so I don't know what the insurance are going to work out on this unless you have replacement value on your policy. In other words, they replace that car, uh, which is an increase in premiums. But with the amount of stuff that's going on, expect the insurance premium to increase from all of your insurance companies. And if it doesn't increase, you check your insurance policy and make sure that you have the coverage that you need to have. And don't let them shortcut it just because it's a cheaper policy. Look for the outs. Look for what's not there that you used to have. So... But the battery technology on the electric vehicles, they have acknowledged the fact that uh, there is a problem with the cooling of the batteries. Um, so that's what you're doing with the um, dielectric lube. Talked to a guy that was in engineering for a long time up in Detroit, and he said they've been using the dielectric to cool equipment down forever. And he's surprised that they haven't started using it earlier. I said, well, it's just, it's technology. And so everybody's now scrambling, trying to get it all put together. So I guess they're finally coming up with a plan. But is it in all the cars now? No, don't know. I know that they're running some that's got it in it. They've had very good luck with them. They did the hell test, which is fire. And, uh, they're, it's, it's, it's holding out pretty good. But if you get water, you get a water leak in these batteries and they go to the, they short out and go into the, get a hold of the battery juice and then it's water, it transfers and it starts smoking because it's direct ground. And that's, that's what gets you in trouble. So yes, yes. If, if I had a car in a flood, I, and it's electric, I would not, there is no way you would make me take that car back. So. That's just me. I'm a chick. Well, they're, anyway, uh, so. they're just spontaneously combusting down in Naples, Florida, where they had uh, Hurricane Ian, Jerry. Oh, well, that's, that's the reason why. They're full of water. Also, um, I wanted to, Jimmy and you were talking about, uh, you know, it's hard to get vehicles repaired that are in wrecks. Uh, it seems like uh, the people I talked to that have had wrecks and had vehicles sitting in the shop for two months, they're waiting on one part. Everything else is done, but they've got one part that they can't get, like, like Jimmy said, like a bumper cover or something. And, and this lady, right. she's been waiting. Somebody uh, threw rocks at her car and shot a BB gun at it, messed it up. Mm -hmm. it's, been in the, it's been in the shop for two months, 
and they were waiting for one part, even up to yesterday when they were telling her that she could come get it. They were still waiting for the part to come in. Just one part. Right. Everything else is 99% done. It's just it's one thing. That's, I would get the car back and say, hey, when you get this part in, you call me, and I'll bring it in, and you can put it on. And you well, say, uh, well, uh, you know, how, what's the insurance company going to do? Well, how, how much money are you going to spend on a rental car? So what if you have to replace a bumper uh, bumper cover yourself? It's already written on there. The insurance companies are flexible also. And, you know, the insurance company would be it better off of them, especially if they're renting you a car, to say, okay, all right, you take that. When he comes in, they'll, they'll finish the job. They'll probably pay the body shop for that part anyway. So the body shop, uh, shop has already been paid. When he gets in, and you can follow up on it, but if you've got a reputable body, body shop like Spectrum, uh, they will follow it with you, and they'll work through your problems and keep the hassle down for you. So, yeah, it there is always a negotiable factor right now because when you have a supply chain, it goes upside down, and you can't get the parts in because they're coming in on a ship or something like that, and you're down to a part. It happens in the automotive industry. It happens to Simmons. What we do is we fix the car is if it's runnable and safe to go on the road and we need a part and that thing can be changed out, what we'll do is we'll order the part. We'll tell a client, you take this vehicle and you drive it. And as second that that part gets here, we will call you, bring you in. You won't need an appointment. We'll just bring you in. We'll put that part on there and send you on your way. But it can't be a safety part because we will not turn loose a vehicle. It, we can't get safety parts replaced on it. So uh, if it's not a safety part, that's the procedure that you go through. You know, and that's that's what you can do to save a little bit of money for your client and save a lot of aggravation. But the good shops around, I know Parker does it, Simmons does it, Automotive Specialty, uh, Specialist does it. Uh, you know, we can get your car running if something's not uh, critical and a critical safety issue, and we can get the part and have it sent in, then we'll get the part, have it sent in, and when it shows up at our door, we will call you, we will bring you in, and we'll fix your car. That's just customer service, and that's what I, you know, that's what I like to see. That's what I would like happen to me. I don't want to be without my vehicles. I won't uh-huh. keep you guys any longer. Have a great weekend, guys. See you later, Jimmy. Thank you, Alan. All right. Thanks for the call, Al. And anybody have a uh, any kind of comment or questions, 520-719-1490. 520-719-1490. Okay. Electric cars, they still have the infrastructure. They still have a lot of issues they got to work out because everybody's mass producing them now. Um, Tesla Corporation is making 18-wheelers, and they are in full swing of the 18-wheelers. However, the first 20 they put out on the road, they had to recall them all because they had some little something that wasn't right on them. But it is here. It is here, and there's nothing we're going to do about it. Hopefully, they'll get the batteries and the infrastructure and everything down to where you don't have to worry about driving down the road and it catching on fire. But, you know, and I've said before, 
hey, I've seen buses, you know, so when they show me a bus that's on fire, oh, yeah, it's electric. That makes national news. When you have a Tucson City bus go up in flames, that don't make national news, plus it's not electric. You know, it can be uh, alt fuels or something like that, but it's electric. Normally it takes a spark to start something. It takes, it's just like an engine. It takes a little bit of compression, takes a little bit of fuel, takes a little bit of spark. And then that's what creates the boom inside the piston, inside the cylinders. And if you have that same combination going on with electric, you're going to have a, a fire. You know, so I don't panic on those. I don't think there's any more fires with electrical vehicles than there probably were for the older vehicles that blow a gas line on top of the manifold with bad spark plug wires. I've seen that. I've seen air conditionings blow up, the compressor blow up, the the uh, Freon and the Pagols that's an air conditioning compressor are very flammable. So if you blow a compressor up and you have bad spark plugs, or black, I mean bad spark plug wires or secondary ignition or short or bare wire or something like that that can create a spark, you can have a fire. I've seen it. I've seen it at my shop. And so... It, you know, let's don't panic. Let's don't panic. We know that this is new. We know that electric vehicles, but, you know, someone said the other day, said, well, this new technology, new technology. France had an electric vehicle at 18, 1890, I think it was. They had the first electric vehicle, 25 mile per hour. It had a driving range of about 50 miles or 100 miles. I'm sorry, 100 miles at 25 miles an hour. And the reason they didn't go with electric then is because gasoline cost virtually nothing. It was more dependable. <laughs> everybody, you know, everybody was getting into it. So they just canned the electric vehicle and went with a gasoline combustion engine. So it's not new technology. Very little is new anymore, except for the electronic modules and the computer systems on these cars. Now, when you got a country that can hack your airplanes and screw up all the things in the terminal in the airplanes in the U.S., like it happened a couple of months ago, uh, that tells you that it is susceptible. The automotive OE original equipment manufacturers have put billions of dollars in research because they don't want anybody hacking a car and stopping it while it's going down the road. That they they have been on that for years, and they've spent billions of dollars in this technology. So what happens if if you shut down a car? They're trying to figure out. Okay, we need to get this car running in a matter of seconds, not in an hour or three hours or something like that. So that technology they are already working on. So there's a lot of work going in the automotive industry as far as research and development, as far as what happens if, and it's just, I mean, it's almost mind-boggling, billions of dollars involved in this. So I don't get too excited about it anymore. I've been around the industry a long time. And do I have that much faith in the OEs? Yeah, they make mistakes. <laughs> they make mistakes. However, they try to correct them as soon as they find out how big of a mistake they had. That's called a recall, a safety recall. 
And then if they're having a little problems with their electronics and stuff, they put it out on technical service bulletins, which makes all the repair industry have availability to these technical service bulletins. You check them on the car when they roll into the shop. You see if there's any technical service bulletins on these vehicles for that particular problem. And if it does, you've got the information in front of it. You can pull a copy of the technical service bulletin off of it and attach it to the work order. Tell the customer, hey, this is what we found, and this is why you had to fix this. And they'll say, well, it's a fairly new car. It should be under warranty. Well, it's not under warranty because it's not under free replacement because it's not a safety issue. So there's the difference between the TSB and the recalls. And we're down to a couple of minutes, Jim. Anything you want to add to this before we go to the top of the hour break? Um, sure. The uh, the recalls, Jerry. They're they're uh, they're out there. They're proliferant. And you know, it's it's funny you say that because you know OEMs would like to get rid of the recall in lieu of just an update because they don't they don't think that software updating is should be considered a recall. So. Um, because they do, because they download bad. stuff to the cars. Yeah, every single day they download new software to the vehicles, and um, so uh, so updating mm-hmm. software to them, even though it might be a safety issue, they they want to get away from that no that stigma of a, of a recall because the stigma of a recall is pretty seems pretty bad. Oh my gosh, my car has something really wrong with it. In lieu of, I just needed an update. I mean, your phone gets updates. What when you every 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 five minutes? So. Yeah, I took my diesel in my '06 diesel, and they went in and they pulled the computer on it, and it needed 13 updates. And I was driving it; it was running fine. So we get we we get we say, oh well, it's not affecting the runnability, so I'm good. All right, we're at the top of the hour. We're going to take a real quick break right here on the Simmons Car Care Show. You're listening live to Jerry and Jim Mooney from Frontier Towing for the Simmons Car Care Show. We'll be right back after these minutes. 